It's Friday, Friday, end of the week, the start of the weekend, whatever you want to call it. We are nearing a great, great weekend. Welcome into your Friday edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad back with the whole crew, Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik together once again. And folks, I'm going to keep saying it. Make sure you sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider. You will get the best exclusive insights that no one else will get if you sign up. That will cut through the cloth of social media and specifically Twitter. It's very easy to sign up. You just go to cleveland.com slash Bengals and you'll see a blue banner at the top of the page. Make sure you click on that. It'll instruct you how to sign up. It's a 14-day free trial to start. And if you want to stick with it, which I know you want to stick with it because you'll appreciate it, uh, it's $4.99 a month and it will be worth every penny. So make sure you go to cleveland.com slash Bengals to sign up. So we have a pretty solid idea, folks, of what uh, the Bengals will look like injury-wise entering this game. We can say with certainty there will be no Mike Hilton. There will be no Trey Hendrickson, which we all saw coming anyway after reports earlier this week. And we will not have Hayden Hurst once again as he battles that calf injury. And as we look at the questionable players on the Bengals injury report, uh, as expected, it's the three wide receivers – Trent Taylor, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins. Uh, Higgins with the hamstring, Boyd with the finger, Taylor also with the hamstring. Uh, and Mike, we talked about this on Thursday. Boyd said he feels fine uh, with the finger. As he said, it's just the finger, but he feels pretty good. Uh, Zach Taylor said he even feels good about uh, Higgins and Boyd entering Sunday's game. Uh, Higgins said he feels optimistic uh, about Sunday. I also talked to Trent Taylor. He said uh, he feels fine entering the game. So I guess really... The big question is, you know, I'd like to think they will play, and obviously Coach Taylor's optimistic about it, but do you think maybe they start a little slow uh, with, you know, putting Higgins into the game? Do you think they go on a limited snap count? Obviously, you know, it's it's hard to tell or determine, but, like, what would you kind of guess with how they're going to use those three guys, specifically, you know, Boyd and Higgins to start? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it uh... – it sounds, you know, with the finger, I, I think he'll be out there a bunch. I don't know how much they'll throw to him. Um, I think they'll try to, you know, keep him in the regular rotation and things. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting. I think it'll probably based on how he feels after he maybe gets gets a ball that goes his way and, and what he says to the coaching staff after that with Higgins. Uh, you know, I think it'll probably go the same about as Sunday. You know, they'll check in with him during pregame warmups to make sure he's good. And if things go better, I would I would guess that you know he'll be more of a full participant, um, uh, or or at least they hope that way. Uh, you know, I, I think that they'll have you know their their top top three receivers for obviously <laughs> hopefully more than one the one snap they played together uh, against the Browns, but uh, you know for a decent amount uh, against the Bucks. Yeah, and um, you know Tyler Boyd, I, I think he, he he kind of not let it slip, but I think he kind of gave an idea out that you know maybe the Bengals are thinking about, or at least he was thinking about, um, you know, because when when he messed up his finger originally, you know, he was saying I would love to get back into the game, you know, even as a decoy, um, because if, if you have Tyler Boyd on the field, even if you're not going to throw to him, um, you know that that does open up a little bit more. Uh, I'm curious about his blocking because um, obviously catching the football and, and blocking are pretty difficult if you have a bum middle finger. Um, so I'm curious what's um, 
what's going to happen there. But yeah, like, like Mike said, I think you, you go to, you go to some of these guys and you see how they feel. We saw this happen. I believe it was in the new Orleans game where T wasn't on the field for the first two plays. They kind of checked him out, said, how you feeling? He said, I'm good. And then he played pretty much the rest of the way. So, um, you know, if those guys are good to go, then they're good to go. Yeah, I like you mentioned the New Orleans example. I was going to say that came to mind when you know I was thinking about how are they going to kind of get them going into the rhythm of the game. I think that's what it's going to be like. You know, T sounded confident, Tyler sounded confident, and so you know if they start out and they feel fine, then at that point it's like all right, snap count or not, if they're good to go, they're good to go. Because on the other side of the ball, like with DJ Reader, that's kind of what they did uh, in her, his first game back from that knee injury he had back against the Jets. You know, they were initially going to have him kind of on a snap count. And then he was just telling, you know, Zach and Lou and Arumo, yeah, I'm good to go, guys. And <laughs> with the way he's been playing, he wasn't lying. So he definitely was good to go. And uh, boy, are they glad to have them back. And boy, are they going to be glad to have uh, that receiving duo back. So that's going to be uh, beneficial and helpful. And of course, if for whatever reason, maybe they are a little bit limited or maybe they go through warm-ups and something's not feeling right. You know, for either those two or Trent Taylor, you have Trenton Irwin, um, who's been doing nothing short of spectacular since he's been uh, fitting the bill the last couple weeks. So reassuring, reassuring news. On the other hand, though, uh, Jalen Davis, I should add, he was not declared out. He is doubtful. Uh, Zach Taylor said he's not sure what's going to kind of be the status for him Sunday, whether he plays or not. You know, so that would mean if for whatever reason he doesn't, you got Dax Hill who's going to be the starting corner, uh, slot corner, I should say, at that spot, which is interesting because we were in practice today and I saw him uh, practicing with the cornerbacks. Uh, you know, and Zach Taylor obviously didn't want to give anything away. He goes, oh, you know, we have different cornerback drills during different days in the week, so he wasn't going to be confirming whether, oh, we're going to have Dax in the slot or not. But uh, he has played that position, so we would obviously think that if Jalen Davis uh, can't make it with that thumb injury, if he's beyond doubtful, then – that would be the case, but I mean, do you guys really think maybe they're just kind of giving Davis some rest to see, you know, if it's a game time decision, or are you kind of leaning towards the idea that yeah, he's probably not going to do it, and it's probably going to be Dax Hill on Sunday? Well, I mean, the injury report kind of does that for you. Um, you know, if, if a guy's doubtful, you can you can probably guess his game status that he's not going to play. Um, so when you look at the cornerback depth, you know, obviously you mentioned Dax Hill as Von Bell this, this week. And, and Vaughn said that, you know, he, he had a conversation with Dax and said, you know, this is really going to help you out because Vaughn kind of did something similar earlier in his career where he was kind of cross trained. He played safety, he played corner. Uh, we all remember that Cleveland game where Dax was, you know, pretty much their number one, number two corner on the outside uh, yeah. after all the injuries that they had, um, you know, now they're going to play him inside. He's been working at safety. So, um, you know, the guys seem, you know, they seem fairly confident in, in Dax, just in, in who he is as a player. I mean, he's a five-star recruit, played at Michigan, first-round pick. Like, the kid's got talent. Um, so so guys really like him. Guys really believe in him. And, um, yeah, I mean, it is a tough break for the Bengals because, you you know, even if you lose, you know, let's say you lose a, a Trey Flowers and a, you know, Mike Hilton, you're losing guys that, you know, they play the same position technically, but they also played two kind of subsections of that position. You don't have both your slot corners. So now you're going to, 
You're going to have to move those guys down. I know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they put Godwin in the slot a lot. So I'm yeah. curious to see what kind of matchups that the, uh, what the Bengals kind of, what they counter with, um, you know, especially, you know, if you're not going to have Trey Hendrickson, actually, which you're definitely not going to have Trey Hendrickson. Do you put DJ reader in the, on the, on the field on third downs? You know, do you kind of make, make it more of a rotation on first and second down so you can get reader in there for a pass rush? I, I don't know. So, um, it, it's going to be an interesting rotation this week and, and corner and slot corner specifically is obviously, you know, going to be at the top of everybody's mind when they think about that. Yeah. You mentioned the third downs with reader. Mike and I actually talked a lot about that yesterday and kind of gave our thoughts on what that looks like. So that will be something to watch too, you know, um, beyond just that matchup with Godwin and whoever's in the slot, whether it's Dax Hill or Trey Flowers. Cause like you said, they do play different subsections because Flowers tends to come in on certain downs and he's usually matched up against a tight end. So I guess in this case, it would be Cameron Bray, who's uh, their tight end in Tampa Bay. So yeah, that'll be something to watch for sure. Um, with that, speaking of predictions and guesses and thoughts, what are your all's score predictions for this game? Either of you guys want to go first? I got no preference. Go I'll go first. Um, all right. I uh, I picked the Bengals to win 27-24. Um, I think this, this feels like a little bit of a tricky spot that you see across the NFL from time to time. Um, you've got the Bengals on a five game win streak. They're playing well. Uh, they're playing some of the best football that they, they're playing the best football they played all year. Some of the best football in the league. They just beat the chiefs. They just beat the Browns. There doesn't really seem to be a lot that, you know, can knock them off. The Buccaneers just got boat raced in San Francisco, um, by Brock Purdy, no less. I know Brock Purdy just won a game on Thursday night, but it, I mean, it's still un- up until further notice. He's still Brock Purdy, the 49ers third string quarterback. So you, you kind of look at this and you say, okay, I, this, this kind of lends itself to a significant Bengals win, but um, the NFL is a tough league. And I think that the Buccaneers, their backs are really against the wall here. Um, they're six and seven. They don't even have a winning record, but they are in a playoff spot. So this is kind of this is kind of running down down the stretch here for them. You know, the Bengals, while they have already kind of clinched their their playoff spot, even if not mathematically, um, the Buccaneers are kind of still trying to fight to get in and they still need to rack up as many wins as they can here. So, you know, I think you're going to see a desperate Buccaneers team. Um, you're going to see an embarrassed Buccaneers team um, and you're going to see Tom Brady leading a team that, you know, they haven't been good this year, but they're an offense and they're a team that can still hurt you. So I think the Bengals are going to win, um, but you don't have Trey Hendrickson. That's going to hurt. You know, the book on Brady for forever has been, if you get after him with four, you can win. Obviously that's a lot tougher when you don't have Trey Hendrickson. You are probably are going to be out two of your slot corners. You're definitely out at least one of your slot corners. Um, maybe you have some injury concerns at receiver. Uh, if Tyler Boyd and T Higgins are not indeed hundred percent, so to me, this is just a game where the Bengals are going to go in and they're going to get punched in the mouth, but I think they're going to win. It's just going to be a lot closer than anybody, you know, anybody would imagine right now. Uh, yeah, you've been, you know, I was thinking, I was like, maybe this game would be a trap game, but you've been closer on all these games. You've, you've kind of had these games all closer than they have been. And so now I'm going to stick to my original, my original <laughs> prediction. Uh, I'm going to go, 
I was trying to come up with a reasonable score, not have it be like the same every week. We'll just go 35-17 Bengals. Um, They're obviously the more talented team. They're playing better. Obviously, they're on a roll. Uh, But when you look at Tampa Bay, um, uh, obviously lost two of the last three. But when you go back eight games, they've only scored over 20 points twice. Uh, The Bengals' defense uh, is playing really well. Um, you know, especially in the red zone, uh, in second half, um, you know, I know Tom Brady, uh, will, will try to pick on those, um, young, uh, defensive backs, but I just think that they get overwhelmed, uh, defensively with, with Joe Burrow and the gang. And, and, um, this one's, uh, 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 easier win. I just think these, these teams are on two separate tracks. Uh, it just feels like, I mean, they've, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, just, is not playing very good football. I mean, what's their best win? Maybe against Dallas in the opener, uh, you know, and then they, they just, it's just not, there's not a very good team. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, I, you know, I understand what you're saying that these games can sometimes be tricky. It is on the road. Um, but I don't know. I just don't feel like that the Bengals get tripped up here. I hear you on the trap game. Uh, example, because to be honest, I was thinking a lot about that. I don't think this is a trap game because, like you said, Andrew, they really are playing their best football. They've won five in a row, and they've beaten really good teams like the Chiefs and the Titans who are going to make the playoffs. Um, not that they're like really good, but they're going to make the postseason. But, yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay just looks lethargic. And I understand it's not completely their fault because they're really banged up, especially in their you know defensive secondary. But, man, I don't know. I'm going to be a little bit more reasonable, though, because I also never want to bet against Tom Brady like Ted Karras told us this week. And, I mean, he is right. I mean, like, not just because it's Ted Karras saying it having played with him. I just don't think you bet against him, man, especially when you got his back against the wall in mid-December when they're trying to get the division, which, albeit it's not the best division in football, but a division nonetheless. I'm going to say Bengals 24, Tampa Bay 13. Uh, I do think... It remains a little competitive, even into the second half, although I do think it's one of those games where in the fourth quarter, we don't see Tom Brady uh, successfully lead that fourth quarter drive. I think it's actually the opposite. I think it's Joe Burrow who takes control in the fourth quarter and puts this game away. And even if for whatever reason, you know, Higgins and Boyd don't play as much as we think they do, and you have to turn to more Trent. Trenton Irwin and Jamar Chase, which are not, again, those are great things to have, but even if it ends up not being your main receivers who take the lead, you still have those guys. Uh, Samaj Piran and Joe Mixon are playing really good ball. And then with how banged up that secondary is, no matter who they're covering, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, etc., I just think they're going to have a hard time with that. I mean, the only real issue I see Burrow running into is uh, throwing tip passes that would be in the way of Levante, David, or... Devin White, but other than that, I think he's going to be solid, and Leonard Fournette's not having the best season, so it's not like, besides Brady, they can do much offensively if Brady can't get anything going, so, you know, competitive enough, not too competitive, and that's where my score prediction comes in. So, with that, I think uh, we all kind of have our predictions across the board. You have a closer game injury. You've got a wider margin. Mike, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle of those uh, predictions, so we'll see who's kind of who gets closer to the target dot uh, once we have our post-game podcast on Sunday. But to follow up with that, what are your specific predictions as far as prop bets go for Sunday's game? 
Uh, yeah, I had uh, this was DraftKings. Uh, the over under for Joe Mixon on rushing yards is fifty two and a half. I think over sounds pretty reasonable. Um, you know, fifty fifty yards and all that intimidating. Uh, Tampa uh, Bay's rush defense has been up and down this season. They currently go into the game ranked twentieth in the league. Uh, they are coming off a game where they gave up uh, 209 yards uh, on the ground, and they've given up uh, over 150 in two of the last three games. I mean, they've had some real big letdowns uh, in, in the, on run defense, um, a little more uneven than their passing defense. And you know, earlier this season, um, after that Carolina game specifically, Zach Taylor said, we're going to have to rely um, on a game plan like that again. Um, and maybe this is one of the games he was kind of hinting at. I think that uh, – Joe Mixon um, obviously had um, looked fresh last week coming off that concussion at that 40-yard run at over 90 yards total. Uh, I think he gets uh, a, a decent amount of, of carries on, on Sunday. So I go for the over on that as well. Interesting. Got you. Um, Got you. I, I, I actually, you know, it's funny when I wrote this up, um, the odds were minus 130, another minus 120. That's for Joe Burrow under uh, 0.5 interceptions. Um, you just kind of look at, at what he's done here, you know, over these, over these last couple of weeks, especially like since week one, um, you know, the Bengals, they, they're playing, like I said, they're playing their best football. Um, you know, when the, basically in the 12 games since that disaster, he's thrown five interceptions and he had one of them snatched out of the air by TJ Watt, um, couple other tip passes like and he even kind of commented you know that's the only way I throw interceptions now um so to me this is you're talking about a situation where the Buccaneers are banged up defensively um you know you don't know what some of these guys status are in terms of you know whether they're going to play or whether um you know what kind of strength they're going to be at kind of a little bit similar to the to the Bengals receiving core and and in those situations you know Joe's not going to force anything so to me, I, I like Joe Burrow under on interceptions. Um, I debated taking him over on touchdowns, um, but over touchdowns at one and a half is at minus 170. I just think you get better odds with Burrow on, on interceptions. Um, you know, so it, especially in a game like this where the, you know, the over under is 45. So Vegas is kind of telling you like 24, 21 ish. You know, if the Bengals are only going to score three touchdowns, like if they're only projecting three touchdowns, I think you get better odds with with interceptions there. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, you're at a point now where I don't really know how you could be, you know, dissuaded from from taking a Joe Burrow, you know, over something because you know he's done pretty well over these last couple of weeks. You know, I uh, I was joking earlier, and I know you guys were listening to me joke about this before we got on the podcast. I was thinking to myself, if somehow there was ever to, a way to classify an interception as being half an interception, and obviously this will never happen. I'm just spitballing here having fun. But, like, you know, imagine if, you know, someone like Burrow or whoever throws an interception, the defender gets it, runs however many yards, and then they fumble it and the offense gets it back. And that would be so funny if they reclassified that to half an interception. I mean, I don't know. Do you think that would actually make more sense if, like, someone picks it and then they lose it to the offense again and then the offense takes over? Should that, should that be half an interception? No. Absolutely no. not. That's but a you didn't terrible see- idea. That's a but miserable idea. But you didn't secure the bag. So you only had it, like, half the way. 
Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't even know where to start with that defense. Um, could it be a half a fumble if a running back fumbles it and gets it back? Why not? I don't know. That's uh, another debate too. Oh boy. I oh, mean, no. if if we're using that same logic, then I would say yes. I don't. I, I don't know. I'm saying I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm just spitballing. What do I know? I'm just Muhammad is just such a Vegas sharp. He wants to screw with people. That's what's happening. <laughs> And the best part is I don't even gamble. So talk about being an instigator. That's what we do is just have fun on this podcast, instigate one another. Uh, I think my podcast uh, prop bet prediction is going to be pretty simple. Uh, Samajay P. Ryan, the stiff arm running back, the best blocking running back in the league, is going to go over 15 and a half receiving yards. Um, And really, I don't think that should throw anybody off. I mean, I think you could say the same for like Joe Mixon too, but I specifically picked Samaje for this one uh, because he's been better catching the ball uh, when he gets those nice little screen passes. We all see what happens. I know the Steelers know what happened when he had those three touchdowns, uh, stiff-arming defenders left and right, getting some nice blocking room, which is also another reason why I think when he gets the ball, he's got nothing but green pastures ahead of him. Um, I can't really think of a game where he did well and had less yards than that, so it's a pretty safe, easy bet if you ask me. Well, folks, that just about does it. That wraps up things for the week entering Sunday's game. Make sure you stay tuned along with us for our post-game pod Sunday at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, where we're going to break down everything you need to know post-game about the Bengals game. We'll revisit those predictions, see who was closer than the other. We're going to have fun with that, but hopefully we'll tune on with you in on Sunday. Once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis and Mike Nizek, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Catch you later this week.